Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast. My name is Willie Simpson. I'm Sonia Rappaport. Today, Sonia, we are talking about episode 63, the 16th episode of season 4, Xavier Remembers. Sure does. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> it's all about his uh, memories. It's a flashback, largely a flashback episode with Professor X here today. Yeah. You know, as we've been watching season 4, I've been noticing in a lot of episodes that I feel like scenes have been cut out or they're the episodes themselves are underwritten or maybe the versions that I have that I'm watching have scenes edited out Hmm. because there's quite a few strange narrative plot holes and this one also suffers from that phenomena yeah there were a couple times while we were watching it we were like wait what just happened yeah we literally went back to the beginning to make sure we didn't miss anything yeah and in the case of this one it opens with Professor X he's laying in his bed uh, screaming in his sleep as he often does. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen him do it before with Landra when she comes from outer space <laughs> yeah, and drives him right. crazy in his sleep. <laughs> <laughs> like, gives him intense psychic pain. Uh-huh. In this case, it's a similar thing. He's freaking out and there's like a vortex black hole tornado opening in the middle of the sky above the X-Mansion. And lightning is shooting out of it and swirling winds. And then pretty soon his hallucinations and stuff. And then later in the episode, they explain that the professor had a slight concussion. Right. But, like, we didn't actually see it happen, so we didn't realize that that was, like, the reason that he was having all of those uh, visions. Right. And my, I also thought maybe, I know in season four, we've already sort of gone out of order with a few episodes because the air dates are all messed up. Uh-huh. And we had to jump around. So I'm, like, wondering, like... Was there at the end of another episode where he hits his head and they're like, to be continued? But I don't think so. Huh. Uh, Anyway, so that's, like, that's a bizarre, the first bizarre thing we noticed watching this, Mm -hmm. is that something has happened to the professor off screen. Namely, he's hit his head in, like, not even, like, that serious of a way. But the mere fact that he has bumped his head has allowed his previously unestablished hold on the Shadow King to be disturbed. Right. So we've met the Shadow King before mm-hmm. in previous episodes, mainly in the Storm episode. I think he he might be in another one, too. I don't remember. But mainly in the one where Storm and Rogue fly to Africa to see Mishinari, her godson. Right. And uh, the Shadow King like lives in a mountain there somehow, so that goes against whatever this episode's saying. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now I think about it. I'm not quite sure. Um, but the point is, in this episode, they established that Professor X works 24-7 to keep the Shadow King at bay, trapped in the astral plane somehow. It's like a background program running in his brain all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so he's constantly running this computer program, and the fact that he's now slightly bumped his head has caused it to be upset. But I feel like we've seen the Professor under great deals of strain uh, before, be it physical or mental. Uh-huh. So why is now the a slight concussion been enough to free the Shadow King? Who knows? Maybe the Shadow King was working in the astral plane to free himself in various ways. And so now he's back, and Professor X is not the only one at first who's having like waking nightmares or coma nightmares or whatever. Well, this is another confusing aspect because. The X-Mansion appears to be under attack from a bunch of different hallucinations particular to the various X-Men. 
So, for instance, Wolverine's attacked by Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. Jubilee is attacked by a Sentinel. Storm is attacked by her claustrophobia. And Jean and Scott are attacked by Mr. Sinister. Right. Uh, now, uh, Rogue and Gamut are in this episode, really. Uh, but beyond that, what's weird is they lead you to believe that an alert has gone off in the X-Mansion and they're all responding to this danger. And you think that they're all just... You know, like, it's obvious they're being attacked mentally by Professor X, but you think that... Like, it's like, hard to tell if the hallucinations are all coming from Professor X because he knows what their greatest fears are. Right. Or if each one of them is separately hallucinating. Now, what's confusing about that is it's... I think they established right away after that that this was all a dream in Professor X's mind. Yeah. And the actual X-Men are treating him in the emergency room in the X-Mansion. Right. But later in the episode, it happens again... And this, that t- the second time, it it's, seems like they're actually each yeah. hallucinating their fear. Yeah. So it's just... The, <laughs> I yeah. think there are some scenes cut out of this. Maybe. You know, Something happened in the script. Um, I'm still not holding any of that against the episode, because I think this was a really good episode. Yeah. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you get a little bit more Professor X backstory. Mm-hmm. You get some sweet Storm backstory. You get some sweet Shadow King backstory, and you get some sweet General X-Men backstory. Yeah. So, and we've seen a lot of flashback episodes, we've seen a lot of origin episodes at this point, but they're always, they're coming at it from different new angles all the time. And you might think, like, oh, they keep, like, redoing these flashback origin episodes, uh, that that might be, maybe they're running out of ideas, that's a problem, like, there might be some truth to that. I think it's just a deep well of backstory, and yes. they make it all interconnect, and that's interesting. Absolutely. There was, you know, like, 20 seconds of reused footage that we've seen a few times before. Right. But other than that, it was all, like, pretty original. And what's and like you said, it's a deep well of stuff. And in a way, they're paying tribute to the comics more than they ever have before in this episode. Uh-huh. Because they even go out of continuity of their own uh, show in many ways. And it's, it's only done in, like, a brief two-second shot. But the highlight to me of this episode was Xavier is remembering his formation in the X-Men, and he see, and it's the scene lasts literally two seconds. But you see a bunch of young mutants, uh, and we freeze-framed it, and you see them all like pretty much drawn as how they appeared uh, in their origin in the comic books. Right. Hank McCoy with his glasses on. Right, as a human. As a human, yeah. Right. Uh, Warren Worthington III is there for some reason, even right. though he's on original X-Men in the cartoon. Uh, you see, like, young Jubilee. But they're, young, like, all lined up next to each Rogue, other. So, yeah. like, the timelines... Because they're not all, like, teenagers at the same time. Right, yeah. But that's it's how all, it's presented as, like, a comprehensive view. Right. It's all... They're all presented in the way in which you discover them. For instance, because he discovered Storm as a young girl in the streets of Cairo robbing wallets for the Shadow King. Mm-hmm. So she's shown as a little girl, uh, not as the naked Storm goddess of which she was debuted in the Giant Size X-Men comic, which yeah. is... Like, I guess... I, don't, I wouldn't... I, I can't tell if it's borderline racist or borderline progressive Storm's comic book origin. So I'll describe it to you, Sonia. Uh, I've probably shown you in the panels before, but basically when Professor X meets Storm in the comics for the first time, mm-hmm. he goes to Kenya, I think, or Africa somewhere, and he meets this flying naked woman who, and Storm's hair is really long at this point, mm-hmm. conveniently like covering her boobs and vagina, just a, just ever so. Yeah. <laughs> and she's flying around creating rainstorms for like various local tribes, you know, and they worship her as a storm goddess, storm mm-hmm. goddess. Mm-hmm. And Professor X convinces her, he's like, 
you know, you know you're not a goddess, you're a mutant like me, and I need your help in the real world, like, you have to leave this fantasy you've created. The real world? Yeah, that's, I think that's, like, pretty much how it's presented. And she's like, you intrigue me, perhaps I will go. And she's kind of, like, like slightly naive, but, I don't know, they leave it open-ended enough, she's not, like, in, like a moron. But that's, like, to imply that, like, the tribes of Africa are not the real world. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's, like, something yeah. racist going on. <laughs> like right. the way, So Storm, that's Storm's actual introduction, but then they, they fill in her... Chris Claremont later fills in her backstory, and they get into, like, her being raised in the streets of Cairo. They don't get into the Shadow King right away. Uh-huh. But they, they... You know, she was actually born in America. She had an American dad who was... I think he was a photojournalist mm-hmm. named David Monroe. I might be wrong about that. And she's a rural Monroe. Yeah. And her mother was, like... I think her mother was an African princess or something uh-huh. or some kind of royal dignitary and she married like a lowly american photojournalist and she moved to harlem with him but then they for some reason they get i think they actually get drawn back to egypt for the he's covering the uh and this might be way off but i think he's covering the the seven day war between egypt and israel is oh. that what it's called you know what i'm talking about uh in the night in the late 60s uh, so I think he's covering that as a photojournalist. Their hotel gets bombed, and then Storm's an orphan because her parents die. Mm-hmm. And that's when she wanders like Cairo and then the rest of Africa eventually. Mm-hmm. And then along the way, later on, they fill in the backstory with she becomes a pawn of the Shadow King because he's got like an army of children, mm-hmm. like slaves that steal for him and things of that nature. And then she meets Gambit around that time, too, in her youth. Um, so there's a whole lot of backstory. But, and part of that backstory was what they show in this cartoon, which was a, Professor X met Storm at a younger age. That's, I guess that's how he knew about Storm in the first place. Mm-hmm. But he meets her at a younger age when he's traveling through Egypt, and he meets the Shadow King for the first time. So in a way, like I said, a tribute to the comics, because they touch on all these different like strands of story that were introduced not like in their proper sequence even in the comics but they do a nice way of blending it all together in the seamless way that summarizes it uh in a really helpful way to a kid who maybe is starting to collect the x-men comics and trying to make sense of it all that's what this cartoon was always good at was sort of taking these disparate like crazy plot lines over the years and synthesizing them in a, in a summary that was pretty presentable <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, we're up, we get to see our old pal Shadow King again, Farouk. I forget his last name, but uh, like you know, we've been watching Legion. We actually, I think we saw the first three or four episodes of season two, and we, yeah, then we kind of forgot about it. But yeah, we're gonna I don't get, know why. Yeah, we gotta gonna, go watch him like this weekend. Yeah, we gotta like finish it up because yeah, I know season so two finished. Yeah, but and we saw in season two in Legion that Farouk, the character, was introduced uh, more so. The, and by that I mean like his human mutant form, where right. he's this Egyptian like rich it, guy. It's just strange because in Legion, obviously he's meeting David, who's like Professor X's son, right? And like introducing himself to David and having these conversations with him. And and I think he hints at a history with his father too. Oh, does he? Yeah, okay. I think that was it like. It seems str- like that storyline is very similar to how he meets and talks yeah. to Professor X. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. This cartoon's so awesome because if you're a Legion fan. It touches on a lot of the Legion stuff in a way that's like, it's not. I wouldn't. It's it's not too far off from what Legion does. Uh-huh. There's a lot of like psycho head games going on. A lot of battling on the astral plane between powerful psychics, as we'll see with Professor X and Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. There, you know, a lot of tormenting the actual mutants in the real world who are but pawns to these psychic gods. You know, like for as strong as Storm, Wolverine, and Cyclops are, they're nothing 
compared to the likes of the Shadow King and Professor X and Jean. Right. So, I mean, that's a lot of stuff you see in Legion, too. You know, there's mutants in that show, but, like, oftentimes they're in the background for David and the Shadow King doing crazy stuff. Yeah. They're trapped in each other's minds, and, you know, they can't really fight back. So, uh, you get a lot of that, and it's cool. And, um... The manifestation of the Shadow King, not his human form, but the other, his, like... Uh, I don't know what to call it exactly. His, like, alternate Astral form... Astral projection form. Is, like, crazy between the two media, right? Because it's, like, in the cartoon, he's, like, kind of like this flying blob with <laughs> like a, a, flying... a menacing face with teeth. It's like a Ghostbusters ghost in, in the X-Men cartoon. That yeah. That kind of looks like... Constantly in motion. Right. A disembodied head with, claw, like, gnarled teeth and... Yeah. Like, lightning eyeballs. So then it's interesting in Legion how they portray him. Like, right. he's not disembodied, but, like, his astral plane self is uh, that, like, very creepy, like, yellow mask person. <laughs> it like, takes on glowing. many... It takes on several forms, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, there's different versions of it. There's the the character played by uh, Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza. Plaza. Right. Aubrey Plaza? No, I think Aubrey. Aubrey, yeah. Aubrey Plaza, yeah. I don't even know if she is Farouk or not. Like, she's a manifestation of him. I'm not quite sure. We, had, we haven't finished all of season two, but... Yeah. But, like, you're right. Like, in the Legion show, there's many different versions. Right. So interesting. Yeah. Because, like, when you take that cartoon or the comics before it as, like, your source material for the Shadow King. It's really, like, you know, I would kind of be wondering, like, wow, how would they make this live action so crazy? I agree. And I think they did, like, an amazing job because yeah. the manifestation in the show, Legion the show, yeah. is extremely creepy, like, exactly what you want from and that I, character. And I just think it's a testament to the source material, again, that X-Men is so cool. Yep. You've got these characters... Like, the Shadow King... Like, if you just knew him from the cartoon or the comics, you say, okay, he's another, like, psychic villain. But really, like, it's a great science fiction... It's another character rooted in a great science fiction premise. Mm -hmm. And there really is, like, a lot of, um, like, amazing material to be mined there, as Legion demonstrates. Right? Like, and it's like, you look at the cartoon, like, okay, like, maybe it's a little silly, but really, it's like, no, it's like, you could make a whole series out of the Shadow King. Yeah, right. And they have, and right? They did, yeah. Yeah, so, and out of, like, the concept of even having powerful psychics in the mutant world, which is what Legion is as well. Right. Like, there's just so many layers to the X-Men, it's, um, it's really cool. And, uh, so, like, like we said, this episode, a bit of a flashback episode, so we, going back to that one image we saw of two seconds, so we see the young X-Men. And then we see them morph into their slightly older selves. Uh-huh. And in that moment, it's another great tribute to the comics because it's not like they're, as we see them in the cartoon, we see their vintage comic book iterations. For instance, we see Wolverine in his first costume that he fights the Hulk in in his first appearance, where the, his, the flaps on his mask are a little like more Batman-esque. Mm-hmm. And he's got like the belt buckle belt instead of the X belt. And, you know, his, his costume is just drawn vintage like that. Uh, and then you see the, the five original X-Men all in their blue and yellow X-Men jumpsuits, which is always cool to see. Uh, you see, like, the more snowy Iceman instead of the solid crystal Iceman that's the more normal Iceman. We see the original Jack Kirby Iceman, which is, like, a snowman. You see, um, you even see, like, Rogue in her, like, first appearance outfit, which is, like, this green and black bodysuit, which I think we've seen before. Yeah, we have. We see Gambit without the trench coat. Which is kind of interesting. We see uh, Angel instead of Archangel. 
And there's, like, all these nice little, like, one-second cameos. And then it merges again to even a more modern version of it. Again, the weirdest thing about continuity in this show is the character of Archangel. Because he's not... In the show, he's not an X-Man when he's introduced at all. He doesn't know the X-Men... But he he shows up so infrequently that I don't think it matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But I'm just saying. But if you're a kid that hasn't read the comics, right. it, You don't notice. That's true. But I'm saying. But what's weird about that is in the show they they keep showing him in flashbacks, like he was on the team, uh, and that Angel was there, and then and it's the same characters, Warren Worthington the third. But then it's weirdly, I, like I don't know what happened. Like maybe there was a mind wipe at some point for some reason. But, uh, I mean, it's just, like, weird continuity. That's the real answer. It's there, not... there isn't really continuity. Yeah. Because I really wasn't aware of the comics, as I've said before, but right. I, like, I noticed the appearance of Angel and Archangel. Yeah. And I really, I think I, as a kid, I didn't connect that they were the same person. That's funny. Necessarily yeah. until, or even that he was, like, a big deal and maybe a member of the X-Men mm-hmm. until I got, like, the Sega Genesis X-Men <laughs> video game and he you was... You saw Archangel's the bonus character yeah, that you exactly. summoned. Yeah, exactly. And I was yeah. like, oh, he is an X-Man. You know, people have always asked us to talk about the X-Men Sega Genesis game, uh-huh. and I always forget, so let's talk about it for a few minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, um, I had it. <laughs> I played it on, like, a 10-inch color TV screen. Did, did you beat it? No. You never As a beat kid, it. I could not beat you it. You could not beat it. Did no. you get far? Like, how far could you get? Do you remember? I don't remember. Like, a few levels in. Like, I yeah. really... I didn't do well with it. It was a hard game. Yeah. My best friend had it in New Jersey, and I would go... He had a Sega Genesis, and first of all, the music is awesome. Uh-huh. I tried to actually, at one point... Uh, this is going to be a really lame excuse. I tried to get the music on to our podcast, like, as the intro and outro music, uh-huh. but it didn't, like, I could never get the MP3 files to work for some reason. Oh, There's some, too like, bad. yeah, I don't know. So that's a dumb story. But the point is, like, I love that music. It's, to me, it's just as iconic as any X Men music yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Real pulsating techno soundtrack. <laughs> right. And the, the video game's interesting because it's more, like, it's more based on the 1992 Jim Lee comic book from which the X-Men animated series gets its inspiration than it is based on the cartoon. Mm-hmm. You think it would be directly from the cartoon, but no, it's like really made in that weird time, like right as the cartoon was coming out and right as the comic was coming out, like it was made in that like 1991, 92 era. Right. And it's not based off the cartoon at all. Yeah, no, because that was another thing was that Nightcrawler was right. a major character in the video game. Yeah. And in the cartoon, he only had, like... Was he your favorite character to play as? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, I think he was pro- Like, my, fr- my friend also played as Nightcrawl all the time. I thought I always wanted to be Cyclops or Wolverine. Or, uh-huh. no, actually, that's not true. I wanted to be Cyclops or Gambit, because it was amazing to see Gambit in a uh-huh. video game. But uh, I think... Nightcrawler's powers is the, the most useful, Yeah, though. right, yeah. You had to be Nightcrawler to, to successfully get through the game. Yeah. And uh, I go over my friend's house all the time. The game was really hard. I'd always die as... Uh, player two or i don't even know it wasn't two players i think you had a pass to controller or something no you could play two oh yeah players. you're right you could yeah. be too i would always die i'd like fall off the mountain and he would go on and he he could make it i think he actually beat the game oh, wow. without me but i remember years later i got like emulation or whatever uh-huh. and i play the game and there's no way i could beat it without saving and cheating yeah right it was too hard and but anyway the game had a great look to it it was just like beautiful 16-bit video game with uh, really like just it's like it was like playing with uh, like action figures come to life exactly it's and the coloring was like action figures Gorgeous. too it was a little more muted like uh yeah. if you're used to playing other i don't know what exactly but like uh it wasn't like 
bubblegum fl- flavor yeah. colors like Sonic the Hedgehog had, or something like that. It had like, like a that. slightly more, more like serious colored palette. Greens and browns, especially in that first level, like the Savage. But is it, that the Savage Land? Yeah. That first level? Yeah. And I could still hear the it's music not right now. like quite as verdant. The swirling like uh, beehives yeah. kind of always mess me <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, that's right. They knock you off uh, yeah. the tree branches. Yeah. Um, and uh, what else is going to say about that? And, but the colors did pop though too because it would yeah, be great yeah. if you had Gambit's cards they would flutter around like in their pink glory and right, yeah. Cyclops' optic beam. Uh, the game was really hard. I remember like you get to the end of level two or something where you have to jump on this uh, like spaceship thing right? and like the wind is blowing against you uh-huh. and enemies keep coming. It's like so hard. I don't like know how anyone could beat that. Yeah. But then the craziest thing about the game is uh, that the ending, if you can get to the end and you beat Magneto, uh-huh. first of all, you have to beat it on hard. I don't think if you beat it on like easier medium, it doesn't give you the proper ending. You have to start over, okay. which is another, like it's like one of those crazy games. Yeah. So maybe you had to beat it on medium or hard. I forget. Okay. But anyway, you beat the game finally, and then it asks you to like it says you must restart Cerebro, and you you have and they don't tell you what to do, but essentially you have to hit the reset button mm-hmm. on the Genesis. Oh. But. If you hit it too hard, the game resets for real. Oh. You have to like give it a weird, a little tap, a little tap, it like perfectly so that it resets and you get the proper ending of the game. I definitely never is, saw the proper ending of the game. Right? I'm yeah. Gonna look it up on YouTube when we're done recording. Isn't here. that psychotic? Like how they program? <laughs> that's like insane. Like the kid. I don't think people understand. Like that's when video games were still hard to beat. Yeah. And they didn't really give you much clues. There's no internet. Right. You had to. If, at best, you'd have to buy a, a video game magazine. Or something, or somebody had to know. Right. And um, it was that, it was just a crazy game, and it was really good. Uh, so there you go, our discussion on the X Men Genesis video <laughs> game. It was excellent, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, and there's still, you know, speaking, I, I still don't get why there ha- haven't been that many great X Men video games. It it seems that it would lend itself to a perfect video game experience. Hmm. You know, there have been several throughout the years. There's been some Wolverine ones that haven't been so great. Uh, they've done like these Marvel Ultimate Alliance games where mm-hmm. they have a lot of the X Men you can play as. There's the the predecessor to that was there was an X Men version of that mm-hmm. where you pick four heroes and you wander around and like beat things up and then you can unlock costumes and that game was okay. It was a little bit too like formulaic though. And then uh, I don't know, like maybe Disney getting the rights back to everything now, maybe they can finally make a proper X Men game. Mm-hmm. My dream would be uh, this is what I think would be a great X Men video game. Tell me if I'm crazy. I think it can work with many characters, but specifically, call make a game called Cyclops. Make it a VR game, mm-hmm. and you're wandering around. You're wearing your VR helmet. You're wandering around the world of Cyclops, and you're just literally blasting things with your eyeballs. As you, you know, <laughs> they could make a button on the side of the VR. Yeah, gear. you tap the side of your head, yeah. and your visor opens up, and you can like control it. Like you use your fingers to control how much of a blast you want. Uh huh. And I don't know. That probably doesn't work as a full video game. Maybe it's like a VR demo, a fancy one. Mm-hmm. You could do it as. Um, but I can also imagine doing this like storm. You know, you could like move your hands around to summon the winds and lightning. And yeah. Even Wolverine, you pop the claws with holding the VR sticks. I mean, you can make it with any of the X Men. Yeah, it's right, just that yeah. for Cyclops, the VR helmet kind of looks like the visor. Yeah, yeah I know. So literally, plus, and you're Cyclops' biggest fan. So that's right. Yeah. I just think a, a VR X Men game. I think is going to happen in our lifetimes. I think it's going to be really cool. I don't. You think VR is really going to like be a thing? Well, did you see the movie Ready Player One? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, the, it's all about your, the theory of, like, how far video game technology will keep advancing. I think in the sense that 
And they're, what they're going to have... If you use a VR set today, they're really clunky. Right. They're heavy on your head. They make you dizzy. You can't play them for, like, more than 45 minutes without mm-hmm. getting really sick. Uh, you're also attached to a lot of wires. Mm-hmm. So you don't have this freedom of movement. You're kind of, like, stick... They have to... I think that's why it makes people sick a lot, too, because you, you're, like, standing in one place, but the world is moving around you as your yeah, character moves. Yeah, it's like motion sickness. Right. So... Uh, and like you see videos of people wearing the VR headset and going on those roller coasters, yeah. they literally fall off their chair. Yeah, right. Have you ever tried that? No, I. I, I mean, I never had the opportunity, but I also uh. wouldn't be that interested. It's a little. It seems a little like I, I, I get sick on real roller coasters. So oh, I did try it once actually, yeah. but it was like I was sitting down because yeah. like when you're in a roller coaster, well, right. I guess they're stand up ones, but right. the simulation was for like a, uh-huh. a sit down roller coaster. And did you like, fall off your chair? No, I was strapped in. <laughs> I had a seatbelt. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, so I, do I think... So what I think has to happen... And also the thing is VR requires a tremendous amount of uh, PC power. So you need yeah. like a super powerful high-end PC. I know they have it for PS4 too, but it's like whatever. The point right. is like to make it really amazing, you need it to have a really powerful computer. So I think a bunch of things have to happen. They probably have to shrink the power of a really powerful PC into a headset itself mm-hmm. so that the computer, the VR computer is in the, the actual device you use. So you don't have to be hooked, hooked up to a bunch of wires. Right, yeah. yeah. And then beyond that, I think the the headset has to shrink. To, it has to be, has like, to be more lightweight. like goggles you put on yeah. that's strapped to your head. Um Almost like swim goggles, I think. Uh-huh. And I, and I think, you know, like... Or like, a, like, um, like safety goggles or something. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. I and, don't know. So I'm just saying, I think that's the way... I don't know. Like Exactly, could, that's what I'm saying. It's like, maybe it'll happen, but maybe not. Like, right. It, I, well, I think it'll happen. I just don't know how... It's just it's that, coming. like, future technology, like, it goes faster and faster all the time, right? It's, like, exponential growth. Yeah. But it's just so hard to predict. Like, a hundred years ago, people were predicting, like, flying cars and stuff. And it's like, you know, technically, I guess that could have happened. But what really did happen was the internet, which is better <laughs> than flying cars. Yeah. But, like, a hundred years ago, your brain couldn't even have conceived of what the internet means, so right, yeah. So you never know. If you think about that exponential growth, like from now to a hundred years from now, we're like, well, think VR about, think could about the be difference. the future, but like probably it's like something else that we like our brains can't conceive of right. at the moment. I mean, I, I remember in the movie Her, uh, the Joaquin Phoenix Spike Jones movie. Uh huh. He's playing video games. Yeah. And the video game, it's, it's in his house. It's like an augmented three D projection into his living room. Uh huh. So instead of him being inside of VR, it's almost like the like a three D room. Like the is, VR is created around him. Yeah, and he's kind of like in the middle of it, playing with the controller and moving around. I think that actually is more. Uh, it's That's like, like a better a solution. Wii sports or something. Well, yeah, but we sports is like it's on a flat TV screen. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It's yeah, like you yourself are moving and like. Right, like the image is like you're not wearing a headset. The image is projected into your room like a movie camera. Right, and I think that's like I think that's going to be really what it goes to because it's a way that melds being in your living room without being strapped behind a pair of blinding goggles Hmm. and a traditional video game, which people I think are more comfortable with. You know, people aren't embracing VR right now for Uh, all the reasons that you just said. Yeah, like, but, and also beyond that, it's like, you know, I think people want to sit down on their couch and just play the video game. Yeah. They don't want to be strapped into a bunch of the gadgets yet. All right, so if any X-Men video game developers are listening, (laughs) (laughs) please make them projection-based and not VR-based. Right. All right, so uh, back to this episode. Um, 
So basically, uh, the Shadow King, he's out and about. Professor X had a mild concussion. Uh, they are fighting on the astral plane, more or less. And the Shadow King temporarily succeeds. He escapes the astral plane and takes over Xavier's body. And then the astral projections are now real instead of it being Xavier's dream. So now all the X-Men are really being attacked by their worst fears. Mm -hmm. Some interesting things I noticed. uh, Well, it's not that it's real, real. Right, yeah. It's that... It's now it's actually X-Men is happening actually to them. experiencing it instead of Xavier imagining that they're right. experiencing it. Uh, oh, there's one scene before when Professor X thinks he's dead, mm-hmm. and, he, and he meets all the X-Men in the X-Mansion, and they're all happy in their bathing suits, mm-hmm. saying, like, oh, Professor, uh, the his world's... mother is there. Oh, right, and, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> we get to see his mother. The Shadow mother. King is just, like, a voiceover, like, trying to convince Professor X that everything's fine. Yeah, and fly to the light. To the light and... But I thought it was funny that... It it showed all the X women in their bathing suits, mm-hmm. and I remember distinctly as a kid. I think there was a comic book that came out at the time. It was like, "See your favorite women of the Marvel universe, like the swimsuit edition," <laughs> and it was like PG thirteen porn for boys uh-huh. that could buy it at a comic book store. Uh-huh. I never I never bought it, but I remember looking at it in the comic book rack. You'd see Rogue in an insanely like scandalous bikini uh-huh. and Storm, and it was just like almost like full like spread layout drawings you know so that to me that scene reminded me of that a little bit that they were doing a lot of that stuff at the time oh weird risque like you know the 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 porn of comics yeah the pornization of comics in the mid 90s was really high Mm -hmm. the sex they really upped the sex and violence factor yeah Uh, well now you know there's no swimsuit uh, category anymore in like what is it the right. Miss America pageant yeah. or something <laughs> what do you think of that <laughs> should we t- go on a tangent about that no, no. no okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that and then uh, but uh, what was I going to say later um, so then uh, they're really being attacked by the Shadow King and they have to uh, you know Jean Grey has to enter Professor X's mind to help him on the astral plane defeat mm-hmm. the Shadow King Again, one of the rare instances where Jean can be really useful yes. and does. Right. She, first, she's kind of like not so confident in herself. I don't think I can help you, Professor. He's too strong. But he keeps urging her to try harder. Yeah. And they there's a lot of cool like abstract animation of them linking minds and putting on weird celestial body armor and flying mm-hmm. throughout space. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's like Professor X's is like samurai. Yeah. Uh, helmet. Thing right. Is like pretty cool. And then like the Shadow King in the astral plane also like puts on his armor to battle them and then the shadow king and professor x have lightsabers oh yeah there's a lightsaber battle astral plane (laughs) that was really ridiculous that was good though i liked it (laughs) yeah gene had psychic chains and then they're all about to be the tables are turned in the sense that gene and professor x about to be sucked into a vortex prison of the astral plane uh, and the um, one insane place that professor x banished the shadow king mm -hmm, at first right, right yeah which like Okay, so I feel like we're skipping around a little bit in yeah, this episode, we are. but in that flashback part where he show where they show like how Professor X, whoops, first meets Farouk. Yeah. Like, okay, Farouk has this like band of <laughs> mutant slave children, Cairo children. Right. Some are mutants, some are not. I guess. Right. Or are they all mutants? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, he's controlling the children of Cairo. Let's say. Right. And, like, they have a conversation about how Farouk is using all these kids as thieves yeah. to get wealthy, and Professor X is like, I do not agree with this. Right, and Farouk's like, well, if I'd known you are a mutant, I wouldn't have them rob you. I think mutants are superior, and humans deserve to be ex- exploited. And, right. And, which is a bizarre philosophy to have. 
Uh, but in line with the Shadow King, he wants to be rich and powerful. Right, it's yeah. Interesting. And also in, kind of in line with, like, a Magneto philosophy. Like, right. That kind of thing. On a more, less grandiose to Magneto, I think he just wants personal power. He wants to live like a sultan, more Right, or less. but there is, like, an ideological base yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah. then Professor X banishes the Shadow King to Astral Plane, to the swirling vortex in the Astral right. Plane, as, like, punishment for... Uh, like using these kids in Cairo yeah. for his own personal for being game. a mega asshole, yeah, right. So a like dangerous criminal with insane power. Yeah, I mean, however, it didn't seem like the punishment fit the crime because he's just running a, like almost like a two bit the thievery racket. Right, he's sitting politely in a cafe. Uh, that he owns, and he's trying to have a polite conversation with Professor X, and Professor X damns him to a unending psychic prison of no escape and we see Farouk's body breathing limply on the ground and like what has since happened to Farouk's body we don't know in the X-Men cartoon <laughs> he's, basically, he's in a coma basically right? yeah but like, in Cairo somewhere presumably I mean this is a big theme in the Legion show is uh-huh. like what's going on with these bodies while they're in these psychic prisons and things yeah, you know? yeah. but uh in here it, don't, it still made me wonder it's like do you have to banish him for all eternity and the fact that like he said earlier, that he's got this program running in the back of his mind that if he gets a mild concussion, the program gets disrupted, uh-huh. and this guy's free. Uh, like who? Ha- and he explains how terrible it is in the astral plane. There's no taste. There's no like sense of joy or anything. Just like an infinite void. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's a really like a living hell. It also begs like a deeper existential question in a way, right? Because it's like when. Professor X dies. Yeah, what? <laughs> then Farouk gets free again. And who's been taking care of Farouk's body? And but like even more than that, like in the Legion show, it, like they basically just say that the Shadow King is immortal. Like he just lives. Well, they, they forever. There's a subplot right? we haven't picked up on yet where Farouk's consciousness is still alive, but his body's been buried. And remember, in like that temple, his with body those monks? has been buried. But I'm saying like his astral plane projection is still there. So, right. like, for all intents and purposes, he's immortal. So, like... Right. When, when his I say, consciousness like, is liberated from this physical body. Right. So when I say, like, a, a larger existential question, what I mean is that, like, okay, so that happens with this guy's quote-unquote soul or whatever it is. <laughs> is it going to be the same way for Professor X? Is well, it the that, same way for all psychics? That, all that's a discussion beings? Where, like, well, first of all, Apocalypse knows the answer to that question because he's the expert on time and psychics. Yeah. And things. But, like... <laughs> Uh, it's a question we're going to have to ask when we talk about X-Men 3, the movie, uh-huh. because in that movie, Professor X dies. Right. And then at the end, they're like, is he dead? You know, and it's bizarre. And he comes back to life in the future movies. So yeah. the, you're right. Like, that's like what's going on with psychics and being dead or not. Right. Um, it leads to a lot of interesting, bizarre questions. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about those on a future day, I guess. But... Um, yeah, I mean, are the psychics immortal, though? It's, it's Who knows? That's what I'm saying. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this show certainly doesn't really answer that question. Anyways, so jumping back to where uh, the Shadow King is trying to um, pull Gene and Professor X into this mm-hmm. swirling vortex 
And he says, if, if I'm going to be banished here again, I won't be alone this time. Right. And I, I wonder if he succeeded in pulling them into the vortex, if that, if in a way that's better for him because he has some company or because he get, they have to be tortured alongside with him. Yeah, I'm not I sure. that's more it. You don't think it's that, like, it's better to have some friends? No. Right. Okay. I think so, he wants to torture them. But he doesn't succeed. Right. Uh, Professor X manages to, like, hold on to Gene and pulls the two of them they pull themselves out of the vortex so just the Shadow King is banished again Professor X and Jean can return to their bodies on Earth uh, where Jean wakes up in Scott's arms (laughs) and Professor X declares that he's happy that the Shadow King has provided him a reminder of the purpose of his life which is to fight for the ideals the X-Men strive for every day right and he says it weirdly he's like and that'll be thankful for forever and I'm like I feel like you're overstating things here, Professor X. <laughs> <Yes>? like, <yeah. laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. Like, fine, he got a, a little, like, wake-up reminder, but, like, to be eternally grateful f- for this experience seems, like, kind of over the top. It's yeah. hyperbole. It was another amazing adventure they went on, you yeah. know? They, they're they constantly... That's being... what I mean. It's one in a string of many adventures. Right, so. but they, they, they're down-to-earth, though, so every time they have an amazing adventure, they can recognize it as such. They aren't yet blasé okay. about these things. I mean, maybe Wolverine is a couple of times. <laughs> um, so, uh, that's Xavier Remembers. Did we miss any other fun details? I think we covered it all. I think so. If you guys could all follow that convoluted... Um, string <laughs> that we just spun. <laughs> Much like the episode itself. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I think another great episode. Uh, we're almost done with season four. There's only one left. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what that's like. I, I did not remember Xavier Remembers. I've seen it before, but I, I had no memory of the episode. And then when we get to season five, like I've warned the audience many times, and we're wading into dangerous territory where I have basically no memory of any of the episodes. We'll all be surprised together. Yeah, we'll all be Except su- for you listeners out there who still remember it. Right. <laughs> and Xavier, who remembers. Right. <laughs> uh, so um, that is all. I, I mean, I'll, I'll close briefly saying it appears, and this is dumb because we always talk about it, but the Disney buying Fox thing seems to like actually be happening. Mm-hmm. We will have X Men, new X Men movies and cartoons, yay! And we'll see how that goes. So that uh, you know, to be continued on that front. But <laughs> good recap. But really, uh, no, I just got to say though, I, I, as much as evil as it is, because from a monopolistic capitalist standpoint of it being like not good for society, I am, I can't help but be excited. I know you're excited. <laughs> I know. I really think it's going to be so cool when we see those X-Men and those MCU Kevin Feige movies. Yes. And I really think they're going to do, they're going to pour all the money into them finally. And they're yes. not going to cheap out like Fox has for years on X-Men projects. Um, I know people are concerned about the Deadpool and Logan type violent movies not going to exist anymore. Personally, I mean, I don't care. Uh, we got the Logan movie. It was cool. We, we got it. Uh, we got the two Deadpool movies, which were great. Um... So it's not like we never got to see it. Mm-hmm. And I have a theory that, I mean, a, a feeling that they're going to continue the Deadpool series anyway, and it'll be the same as it was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know they'll have, to, they'll have to make Wolverine PG-13 again, which sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you watch Logan, you get accustomed to him decapitating people and blood gushing out of their skulls. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. I guess it'll be a price to pay. Uh, um, but we'll see. So I'm excited about that. But that's all I got to say about this episode. And let's, let me do our plugs. Do plugs. Uh, join our Facebook group, 
X-Men Task podcast uh, for some lively discussion and to meet all the other fellow fans. Always nice to have new members join that group. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Willie Simpson and rate and review us five stars on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use to continue the spread uh, of the show's popularity. And uh, again, all we could do is thank you, everybody, as we get closer to the end of season four, another milestone yes, in thanks. the books. You know, we, we've got over, like, we've got a bunch of episodes now, Sonia. It's like, it's pretty, you know, like the reason I started this podcast with you was because I was looking for this podcast and it didn't exist. Yeah. And, you know, like, I, I love finding podcasts like these where you have a wide choice of episodes to go. You just, now people, fans can go, if they're new to the podcast, they can pick their favorite X-Men cartoon episodes and just download those. And they don't have to follow from the beginning, although that'd be nice. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's we're getting to the point where it's really cool. It's almost complete, mm-hmm. and it's like it's almost like a library encyclopedia of commentary on on one of our favorite cartoons. <laughs> Sounds like you're already not counting season five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 that'll remains to be seen. Okay, and we're gonna try to do some fun stuff for season five and uh, some some fun teasers for that to make it a little more interesting. So uh, that is all I have. Any final words of wisdom, Sonia? Uh, I just want to say that this experience has really reminded me why I liked X-Men and doing this podcast with you. And for that, I will always be grateful. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Professor Rappaport. Good night, everybody. Bye.